Welcome to Long Live the Music, a podcast from It's All Dead, made by music fans for music fans. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to Long Live the Music. I'm Kyle Hawk, Editor-in-Chief at It'sAllDead.com. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Hope everyone is having a really great start to the summer. I'm recording this on Saturday, July the 3rd. Third, it's a holiday weekend. Got an extra day off coming on Monday, so uh, really looking forward to that. I hope everybody, um, yeah, just hope summer is off to a, a better start this year than than we all experienced last year. And even though I know a lot of folks are trying to figure out what it looks like to to get back to some sort of normalcy, I, I think we all know that it's not uh, not normal still in the way that we've known and probably won't be for a long time. But um, we're all finding ways to to kind of make the best of it. Um, so I hope that you are doing well. Um, you know, as we enter the summer here, we've got a lot of really cool interviews lined up for the show. that are going to be coming up uh, over the cu- next couple months. Um, but for today's show, I want to do something a little bit different. It's just me here today. I've got no guest. Um, just gonna just gonna chat with you. Just thought we could have a little conversation. Um, if you know me well enough to know that um, my my background originally was in radio, like old school radio where you would like turn on the stereo and turn the dial to, to find a station. Um, yeah, that, that, that's where I came from back before the podcasting days. And uh, depending on the format, sometimes you just got to like be able to talk for a while. So that's what I'm going to do today. You know, everybody's been putting out the list as we've we've crossed over the halfway point for 2021, which is just absolutely bonkers to me. I can't can't wrap my head around it, uh, but I've been seeing all the lists coming out, the best albums of 2021 so far. Um, you know, we've always held off on doing uh, one of those lists for It's All Dead. We do the big end of the year, albums of the year type list, but we've never done a, a halfway point thing. And I, I thought instead of writing something up, I would just kind of like, you know, talk through some of the albums that um, have been important to, to me and, and the rest of the folks um, at It's All Dead so far this year. So I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But before that, just want to touch on a couple things. And, you know, as I mentioned, summer's here and I'm fairly certain that a lot of people that listen to this show have a a similar um, thing as I do this time of year where it's like I just get itchy. I get the itch for for Warp Tour. And, you know, we've we've talked on the show so much about, um, you know, how it was probably a good thing for Warp Tour to to come to an end a few years back for a variety of reasons. Um, and it, it's complicated to know that there were like a lot of negative things um, about that scene and about that tour specifically um, that were kind of overlooked for a long time. At the same time, conversely, we've also wrestled with the fact of like there were some really great things about that community. And, and if you're like me, it was one of those places where you know, at a certain time of your life, maybe you felt less alone. Um, and I know it's weird to assign something like that to a music festival that just travels around the country, but I, I know how I felt um, at, a, at a certain point in my life at Warp Tour being around people who I felt like um, were kind of having a similar experience that that I was with the music that I loved. And so, you know, uh, not asking for Warp Tour to come back in any way, shape, or form necessarily, but it is impossible this time of year for me to not kind of reflect on a lot of Warp Tour memories. And and how I do that is I'll have these like long binges on YouTube where I'm just like pulling up old like 
<laughs> and some of them like really bad quality videos that people were shooting, uh, you know, back before we had smartphones. But you know, there, there's so much footage out there on YouTube, and if I'm I'm certain that there's somebody else out there that does this other than myself, but just kind of like going down the rabbit hole of looking up old performances, and uh, you know, it's funny. I when I think about work tour. Um, you know, I, I think about so much. I think about the heat. <laughs> I think about how fun the day is at the start and just how like gross and disgusting you are at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, how many incredible bands that, that you get to see. And one of the, the funnest parts of that for me, you know, the blow up schedule, the big like giant inflatable schedule thing where you like you rush in, you either pay some guy at the front two dollars to get. Um, you know, a, a sheet of the schedule for the day, or you get a blank schedule, you go over to the the big inflatable and start writing down all the bands and uh, the set times so that you can be at the right stage at the right time. There's really no other experience quite like that. I mean, obviously there's other music festivals, but there's something about the, you know, day-to-day -day traveling of this like village that just kind of like pops up out of nowhere. And then everybody like rushes in the gates and is like frantically trying to plan out their day. Um, but yeah, when I'm, I'm going down these, uh, rabbit holes on YouTube, one of the things that I've been, um, really enjoying recently that I think is a really fun thing about Warp Tour, or it was really kind of a cool thing is all the guest appearances where you're like watching a certain band on stage and maybe they have a song where there's like another singer from another band that just happens to be on the tour. It's at that song and suddenly they're coming out on the stage to play it. I think about, uh, Mike Hranica coming out on stage from the Divorce Prada, uh, to, uh, to play the the song that he does with the data remember i remember in in 2008 i want to say uh cobra starship i, I still don't want to say everybody's neon uh they've got the guitar up there and then william beckett's coming out on stage and travi mccoy and they're all uh playing uh you know snakes on a plane together there's just like so many like fun that's like was one of my favorite things um, about watching sets at Warp Tour. Because um, again, you're watching bands that are like, you know, trying to like stay alive and hydrated and in the heat day after day after day playing these sets. Um, so it's not necessarily like you're going to see the purest form of anybody's live performance, but you're going to see things that you don't see if you're just like catching them on a tour or something. And some of those moments um, are the, the things that kind of made it memorable. But yeah, you know, thinking about Warp Tour, I'm sure a lot of you have already kind of started to purchase your first tickets to shows, um, you know, for the first time in over a year. Tours are being announced. You can buy tickets to go to concerts. You can uh, go to concerts now. But a lot of the tours that are being announced are, you know, for a little bit later in the future. And I, it's kind of funny. I was talking with Kyle Schultz from It's All Dead just this week. You know, I, I think both of us in the past week, like, bought tickets for tours that aren't even happening until 2022 and it's a really weird feeling to be like you know it used to be i mean obviously you buy a ticket and you got to wait for the show but um in this case it's like in some instances it's a really long wait and it's weird to like put something on the schedule for like march of of, of next year um which i've certainly done i've also bought tickets uh, for architects who are coming to indianapolis which i'm just over the moon about i've been waiting for this band uh to come near me for really since i've been listening to them and they are coming to indianapolis but it's uh november 30th and it's like i've got the ticket but like how do you look forward to something that's happening in, in the end of november I, I feel like this past year and a half has made it hard to like really judge time <laughs> and how we think about that stuff but yeah it's been a weird experience 
um, one of the the uh, concerts that my wife and I had tickets for last year, Alanis Morissette, uh, was rescheduled for September of this year. So we've got that to look forward to. And really, I, I think early on, I've been trying to think about this of like, if I'm going to go to a show, you know, sticking to the outdoor venues, but inevitably, I'm going to be back in indoors for a show at some point, I have no idea how I'm going to feel about that. But I'm hoping that, it, you know, maybe a couple late summer outdoor um, type concerts might, I don't know, sort of prepare me for uh, what the experience is going to be like. But it's, I'm, I'm vaccinated. And also very apprehensive about just getting packed into, um, you know, a small club show with a bunch of people. I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. Um, if if some of you out there have like already had these experiences, like you're already back and you've attended some concerts, we would love to hear from you to hear about the experience. Um, you can either send us an email, contact at itsalldead.com or uh, come find us on social media, either Facebook or Twitter. Uh, send us a DM. We would love to hear about, you know, any concert experiences that people are having, just not only for our sake, but I think just uh, people in general um, kind of want to hear what it's like from people that are stepping back into that setting. So uh, feel free to reach out to us. So with that, um, I'm going to go ahead and transition into talking about some albums from 2021 that um, have kind of been the ones that have stuck out to me the most, the ones that have stuck with me, the ones that I've been going back to repeatedly and that I can see, you know, potentially showing up on our end of the year list when the time comes, which as fast as this first half of the year is gone, it, it seems like it won't be very long, but <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. So uh, the, the first one, and I just listened to this album again yesterday. It's funny because like albums come out and if I'm writing a review about them or if I just happen to like really like that band or that album, like I'm just immersed in an album when it comes out, like for weeks, it's like all I'm listening to. And then I almost like have to separate myself from it for a little bit and then come back to it at a certain point when I, I can hear it again with fresh ears. And I've always found that that gives me a really uh, good feel for like how good an album actually is. And it's funny because usually if I'm writing a review about it, the reviews long been written, um, uh, you know, by the time I've had that distance to come back, but it, it does uh, help me understand the albums that are going to stay with me. And so, you know, earlier this year, you heard it on this podcast. You probably read it on It's All Dead. It's talking a lot about Architects for those that wish to exist. This is a band that obviously love a lot. Um, the, journey, the journey that this band has been on has been unbelievable. It's been incredible to watch them um, come from such a, a painful situation with the passing of, of Tom Surley. Um, and then reimagine what it will look like for them to be a band and what they would sound like. And for those that wish to exist is just a, an incredible encapsulation of a band that is, um, you know, stepping out in a new direction in a new light. And uh, I was a huge fan of it when it came out. I hadn't listened to it in a couple months. I just needed some time away and obviously time to listen to, to other stuff. But I, I listened to it again yesterday and I was just enthralled. I, I couldn't believe how good that album was. Uh, still was for me. This is, I, I'm telling you now, it's going to be on our end of the year list. Um, and it's going to be an album that I'm going to enjoy for years to come. Um, one of the things that, you know, I talked about at the time, it was so interesting to hear a band shedding a lot of that really uh, heavy portion that used to be kind of the core of their music. I mean, there, it's still there in moments. And this is a metalcore album, but it, there's it's much more melodic. Um, the songwriting is just different. And I found that yesterday listening to it it was the more melodic moments that actually were resonating with me more than than some of the the heavier tracks i mean goliath 
that track still goes hard. Um, the heavy moments are still great, but a lot of the melodic stuff was really, uh, really hitting me in a different way. So yeah, Architects for those that wish to exist is is probably my favorite album so far this year, I think. And if it's not, uh, the the other competition for it would be Olivia Rodrigo Sour, and uh, you know another album that we've we've talked about it. It's all dead. You know, and everybody's been talking. I feel like this is probably the most talked about album of this year, it seems like. And Driver's License, obviously the first sort of big song that we had of 2021. And I'll never forget hearing it for the first time. It was like a few days into like that song blowing up and everybody talking about it. And it's like, okay, you know, I got to hear this. And Driver's License is one of those songs where you just hear it and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is one of those like perfect songs. Like it's just so well written that no matter who you are, you're probably going to like it. And it was so interesting to have that and be like, well, I wonder what an album is going to sound like. And then to have something come out that was just so uh, sonically diverse and unexpected, Um, you know, tracks like good for you and brutal that were like nothing like driver's license. Um, But then tracks like deja vu, which are in that vein, um, but probably even a better song. So I, you know, and I know there's been all kinds of different opinions on this album as time has gone on. I still really love it. Um, one of my favorite things that I read about it was by Lindsay Zolads, who uh, was on our show a couple years ago, and she's really become one of my favorite music journalists over the years. I absolutely love pretty much everything that she writes. And she was really keying in on, you know, Dan from As Tall as Lions was the producer on this. And she was kind of going back and, and talking about like, it's really interesting when you think about Dan and Jack Antonoff and some of these guys from this like very male centric scene that are now like helping create music alongside these really amazing female voices. And she was kind of like digging into that. It was, it was a very personal piece, but um, she wrote, you know, but as a one time, you know, quote unquote, lowercase girl slash emo kids slash drive through records enthusiasts from suburban New Jersey. I do find it pretty interesting that two of the most successful producers in crafting pop music from a feminine point of view came out of that scene. Because as I remember all too well, it was a realm almost entirely devoid of women's voices. I'm going to leave you with that. And I encourage you to go look up uh, this article. She wrote it for NPR. It came out uh, a couple months ago when this Olivia Rodrigo Rodrigo album came out. It's called On Sour, Olivia Rodrigo is a lowercase girl with caps lock feelings. Um, If you like Olivia Rodrigo, if you have been listening to music from the scene for a long time, like many of us had, I think this article is really going to resonate. And I think it touches on a lot of the stuff that we've sort of been, um, you know, the the layers of the onion that we've been trying to peel back from um, a lot of the stuff that we all kind of have have gone through with this. Um, But yeah, Lindsay is an incredible writer. I encourage you to check out that article. Next album for me, uh, Julian Baker's Little Oblivions. Again, another song or another album that we've talked about quite a bit. This one's interesting to put on here because I, I, it's the album of every album I'll talk about. It's the one I've gone back to the least because this album is a lot for me. And I've talked about that of uh, how, how um, poignant uh, Julian Baker's music is and applicable, uh, you know, to to my experience. And that's kind of what has made her an amazing artist in my life. But, um, you know, Julian isn't necessarily an artist I'm throwing on, you know, when I'm just looking to kind of vibe out or have a good time. I I really want to, you know, my, my my spins of her albums are very focused and intentional. And because of that, I probably listen to her less 
than would be implied for somebody that I talk about as being one of my favorite artists. But, you know, it's, it's hard to not feel like this might be her best album. Um, but regardless, she's had a string of three straight, just incredible works of art. And my favorite thing that I read on this album happened to be Nadia Alves, uh, you know, as you know from It's All Dead, she she wrote the review of this um, for our site. And if you haven't read it, I encourage you to go check it out. It was a very personal piece. And she actually uh, ended it, I thought, with a really powerful paragraph and wrapping it up by saying, um, in a personal sense, Julian begs for forgetfulness. She longs to leave her darkest nights in the past, but she can't stop singing about them. It's like she sits at the mouth of the river Leth, filling up her cup again and again, only to be met with disappointment. These things stay with her, and so they stay with us. Um, and you, you may have heard Nadia and I talk about this album um, on a podcast back when it came out. And you know, you, if you did, you know how personal her work is for both Nadia and I. But Nadia did, I think, an incredible job for capturing why Julian Baker's music is so impactful um, for the people that um, that really love the art that she's creating. So. Little Oblivions, uh, again, that's another album. I, it's it's going to be hard. I feel like there's there's a lot of great music still to come uh, the rest of this year. I'm already calling shots about what's going to make it to our end of the year list. But man, it's, it's hard to not feel like those three albums aren't going to be there. Um, next is probably, well, it's the most recent album of, that I'll talk about that's come out. Tell the creator, call me if you get lost. Um, probably his most cohesive album, I think. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, Flower Boy and Igor really changed the narrative around uh, Tyler, the creator. And, and we we talked about a couple weeks ago when we did the 2011 Hip Hop Title Belt podcast, I talked with Brock Benefiel about um, Tyler, the creator's Goblin, which came out that year and just how, man, it, it's so hard to look back on that period of time because Tyler's early work and a lot of what came out of Odd Future at the time was just it's so problematic um, and and so destructive in, in ways that, you know, we've hopefully moved past. Um, I, I think Tyler has had a really interesting um, transformation. Uh, it's, it's impossible to deny. He's experienced, obviously, a lot of growth as a person and as an artist. Um, I know for a lot of people, it's, you know, some of that early stuff... Um, is is hard to it's hard to move past um, because of just the extreme homophobic nature of a lot of his um, of a lot of his work, a lot of his language, um, and you know I, I don't fault any of those people for not being able to kind of continue to follow Tyler's journey. But if you are a fan of hip hop and you've been interested in kind of seeing um, a, a more fully realized Tyler, the creator growing into an adult and finding himself and trying to, um, I think in some ways make amends for, you know, who he was earlier in his life. Uh, call me if you get lost as another really interesting chapter in that. Um, and, and another album that, you know, we're going to be talking about potentially at the end of the year is one of the better rap albums of the year. And speaking of rap music, uh, this one's probably going to feel unexpected, but J. Cole's The Off Season. I, I know there were mixed feelings on this, just like there is with like everything J. Cole does, but I I really enjoyed it, and I still am enjoying going back to it. It's just it's just a good rap album. And uh, I was I was talking with Brock uh, Benefield when it came out. You know, he and I 
also have mixed feelings on J. Cole, but I, I was I was telling him if J. Cole came along in the year like 2000, 2001, like he would have been one of our favorite rappers. Like he's he's almost a relic in that way where the music that he's making and he's leaning into it clearly with the off season is that it it does feel like he's living in a past time before rap has kind of had this evolution that um, has happened in, in the past decade or so. And not to say that J. Cole doesn't fit within that, the context of that, because he certainly does. He's one of the most um, notable artists of, of this era of rap music, but he is making rap as an art form in the way that a lot of us that love rap loved it uh, in a different time. And that's kind of cool. Like I actually really appreciate the fact that he seems to have a self-awareness of who he is as an artist and is able to lean into that. And I think the off season is a really great encapsulation of like, this is a good rap album of a guy that can like really rap well. And if you like rap in that way, like you're going to like this. So um, this isn't an album that I'm making the case is going to be, you know, end of the year, one of the best albums of the year, but it's an album personally that I've, I've really enjoyed and really, um, I think kind of surprised me. Um, so I'm going to wrap up with one. Can we, can we include this on the list? This is okay. Right. Taylor Swift's fearless Taylor's version. I know that it didn't come, uh, you know, fearless. The actual album came out, you know, over 10 years ago, but, uh, earlier this year, Taylor released the first of, uh, what are going to be many reimaginings, re-recordings of, uh, of her work. And fearless was the first one to come. And I've still been listening to it a lot. Like obviously Taylor Swift is a really important artist for me. And I loved Folklore last year. We talked about how that may be like her defining work. It might be her best album, um, you know, and Evermore being what it was. But it was almost like after having a year of those two albums and how they felt amidst the year 2020, it almost felt like comforting for me to go back in time and kind of experience her early work again in a new context. And I've really enjoyed that. So, um, you know, Fearless, I know it doesn't really count, but um, I, I think it's a really interesting conversation around what she's doing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just for me, it's been fun to kind of go back and uh, re-experience an album that I really haven't immersed myself in in, uh, in a long time. And I'm really excited because the next album that she's going to be uh, re-recording is Red, which is my my favorite Taylor Swift album. So we'll be looking forward to that when it comes, I believe, in November. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, lot of other music coming before then. We've got uh, churches is, is coming up around the bend. We've got um, I, there, there's going to be a lot of a, a lot of new music uh, coming on the back half of this year, and it's it's going to be really exciting. Um, and uh, hope that everybody has been enjoying and finding uh, music this year that's kind of helping you cope, reacclimate to to life. Um, it's you know, one thing for me, even though I, I'm not like necessarily running wild and uh, going, you know, to every restaurant and bar, or, you know, it, I've been very cautious and kind of stepping back out into the world. But certainly I'm re uh, reacquainting with with friends and uh, family and people. And it's been fun to have music in that context. That's not music in isolation, but music amongst community. And I think that's one I've been that's been one of the most um, impactful things that has been kind of going on in my my life so far this year, and I hope that you all are are having that uh, a similar experience. So, 
Well, uh, hopefully you have enjoyed the show today. I know it was just me, but I hope that we had a good time. Again, if you uh, have some comments about some of your favorite albums, about some of the concerts you're attending, please reach out to us. Send us an email. Find us on social media. We would love to hear from you. And of course, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you like our show. That is going to do it for today's episode of Long Live the Music. I'm Kyle. Thank you so much for joining, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Long Live the Music. If you like our show, come find us on Twitter and Facebook at It's All Dead. And of course, come visit our website, itsalldead.com.